Matthew chapter 1 this morning. We tend to have a very idealized picture uh, of the Christmas scene. You've all seen the photographs uh, of of the what happened back then, haven't you? Uh, you've seen the different pictures, and we, and we have this wonderful, hazy, dreamy, snowy picture of all that happened uh, on that first Christmas. But you know, it wasn't like that. What you had is you had a couple in the midst of absolute turmoil in their lives. They didn't have the benefit of all the Christmas cards you've seen. They didn't even have the benefit of really understanding uh, well how you and I would perceive it all. They knew there was something great happening, but they were working it out on the coalface, right there as it was happening before them. And they were tough days. You see, all their plans got messed up. All their plans got messed up. Does God ever mess your plans up? Does God ever take your plans and you're going in one direction and it's all looking peachy cream and you got the whole thing set up and all of a sudden God just messes the whole thing up? That's what he did for this young couple. You know, that's really the norm with God. He messes up our plans, but he does love us. And he doesn't mess up our plans for no reason. He always messes them up for a good reason because he has a better plan. That's about for a word of prayer. And then we're going to read Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 through 24. Father in heaven, we do thank you, Lord, for your love to us and for your goodness. We thank you for the Savior that was born to us all those years ago. And we thank you for all that you've recorded about it, Lord, and how we know the truth of what you were doing because of your word. And Lord, I pray you bless us now, Lord. Help us to see with clear eyes uh, what happened and help us to understand, Lord, the things that happen in our lives are... Uh, not a mistake. They're not just something that come upon us for for the fun of it, Lord, but they're all part of your plan. And we'll thank and praise you and give you the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When, as his mother Mary was exposed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Now, remember that, just just to give you the picture here, uh, uh, she is betrothed to Joseph. A, a relationship has been been arranged. Uh, it's like a marriage in that they're they're committed to each other and they have a vow effectively to each other. But it's not like a marriage in that they haven't actually completed the marriage and um, they're they're going through this this year this this betrothal period. And she's betrothed to Joseph, right? And she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Now we know and we understand. And we can look back on that picture and think it's so wonderful, it's so cute, it's just so special. But understand this, that this was a big deal for this couple. This was a big issue coming into their relationship right now. This is not the way any young girl wants to start off her married life. That's not the way you plan to do it. Uh, And she didn't plan to do it that way either. But God had come to her and God had told her what he wanted of her. And, you know... That's what was going to happen in Mary's life, even though it might be difficult for her. And Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. He was minded to divorce her. The marriage hadn't been completed yet, but nonetheless there was a relationship here that was uh, reckonable uh, in law. And he he would have to divorce her in order for uh, to, to end this relationship. 
But he's a just man and he didn't want to make a big issue out of it. He didn't want to uh, bring all the shame and humiliation honor that he could do. He wanted to do it privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. Well, obviously we imagine that Mary had told him that, but that's a bit far-fetched, isn't it? That must have seemed like a tall tale to him. And now uh, the Holy Spirit comes and says to him, take of the, the, the child is definitely uh, of the Holy Ghost. The angel of the Lord came and told him that, that, that this child is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not, till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name uh, Jesus. As we look at Mary and Joseph, uh, what we're really going to look at this morning is the fact that, listen, God messed up their plans rightly. Uh, We can imagine their normal expectation. They were about to be married. Now, apparently there is a difference in their age. The Bible doesn't record record it, but there's a difference in in their ages. um, but, But they're getting married, and they have a plan. I'm sure they had a home picked out. May have been Joseph's home. We don't know, but they had a home picked out. They knew where they were going to live. I'm sure they were looking forward to the wedding day when they would celebrate with friends. And they expected that Joseph's business was going to go well. He was a carpenter. He was a businessman. And they expected that in the course of time they would have children. And that you know, they had life all plotted out in front of them, the same as all of us do. They knew how it was going to work out. They, they, they had the plan. They had it uh, in their minds. <clears throat> but God messed up all that for them. Mary was not expecting uh, to be the mother of the Messiah. Now, every young Jewish girl desired to be, but you know what? She was not expecting it. She certainly was not expecting to become pregnant before uh, she was married uh, and for that to be of the Holy Ghost. She wasn't expecting that. Now, we know that she accepted it with wonderful grace, but that was not part of the plan. That was not part of her desire for her life. Joseph was going to marry this girl, and I'm sure he was looking forward to it, and he was happy and excited about it, but it was no part of his plan to enter into marriage with her already expecting a child. You, you, you realize that you know, it cast a shadow over Mary's purity. Well, it didn't really cast a shadow. She was definitely impure as far as people were concerned, because they weren't going to buy the Holy Ghost idea. Definitely cast a shadow over her, but it made Joseph look like a fool. It made Joseph look like, what's he doing? She's been unfaithful to him. Uh, You know, why is he going through with it? You know, the the whole thing is messed up now. None of it's looking uh, the way it should do. None of it's looking the way they expected it to. We'll look at three observations this morning, though, about what happens in the lives of Mary and Joseph. And I want us to then take them and apply them uh, to ourselves. First thing is this. God did not ask Joseph and Mary. He told them. Nowhere do you find the angel saying to Mary, and Mary, if it's okay with you, here's the plan. Or Mary, would you like us to change the plan in any way? He didn't. Here's the the plan. Here's what's going to happen, Mary. 
Here's, here's the way it's going to be. There's, there's no passage where God asks if it's acceptable to them. Don't you sometimes feel God should ask you if it's acceptable to you? Don't we sometimes rise up and say, this is not fair. This is not what I want. But when God comes to deal in your life, he doesn't ask you if you want him. God comes to deal in your life because he's God and he always has a better plan. He always has a better plan than, than you have. You know, when you finish school or whatever, you had plans in your mind for your life, didn't you? Now, isn't it interesting to look back? You know, even take ten years and look back. I mean, the plans are the plans, but life is life. And, you know, the, uh, the truth just don't meet somehow. It, do, it doesn't happen the way you expected it to happen. Now, some things change because you change your decisions, you change your desires. And, but some things change completely against your will. You didn't plan this. You didn't want this. God just did this. And he never asked your permission. He never asked you if this was okay with you. He just did it. God is a sovereign God and he takes his will in our lives. Now, you know, God has no intention of asking you for your permission to actually take his will and to proceed with his plan. God doesn't do that. Now listen, he does give you the option. You can choose to obey his will or you can choose not to obey his will. But you can't change his will for your life. Do you understand that? You can't get God in the, look God in the face and say, now look here, let's get this sorted out. We're not going to do it this way. That just doesn't happen. Sometimes you want to. Sometimes you've prayed like that. Sometimes you've, you've risen up and decided you were going to tell him what for and how to do it and so on. And it was just so much wind. Because God ultimately is going to do what he wants to do. He doesn't ask us what he wants us to do. Now, we look back at that first Christmas scene. That one really doesn't hit us so hard, does it? Here's a couple that are in the midst of turmoil and they haven't been asked. They just told, here's the way it's going to be. Now, I don't know about you, but I always imagine that having done this in their lives... God was going to roll out the red carpet. This was the baby Jesus. The house would be beautiful. Everything would fall into place and work out just the way it expected to work out. Everything would just be peachy in their lives because now they'd bit the bullet on this hard deal. And once you, once you, once you bite the bullet on the hard one, it gets easy, doesn't it? No. <clears throat> Not biblically it doesn't. Now, we sometimes have those ideas in our head, but biblically it doesn't. You see, <clears throat> the next thing that happens in this plan is that um, there's going to be a census and they have to travel to Bethlehem. And Bethlehem, I think, I haven't, didn't check it this morning, but Bethlehem is 70 miles from where they're living. That's, 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 that's tough. 70 miles is a tough trek. Um, but remember, they didn't have any airplanes to hop in. Uh, they didn't have any cars to get in. It was a donkey. And I know donkeys cute. And I know the pictures look really cute. And I know when you look at Mary sitting on the donkey, she's got this serene face on her. And there's this little halo over her head. And she's just traveling as though she's floating from Nazareth down to Bethlehem. It didn't happen that way. <clears throat> this poor woman is vastly pregnant on her first child. Many of you can remember being pregnant on your first child. You know, being pregnant on your first child is scary. Right? And, um, <clears throat> you know... The last thing you want is to have to go anywhere. And I can't conceive 
of what Val would have done if I'd put her on a donkey and taken her for a donkey ride. Uh, you know, I just can't conceive of the response I would have got for, from a deal like that. Now, we did try some strange things as it got towards the end to try and get the baby to come uh, as far as walks and so on are concerned, but I don't, don't think a donkey ride was, was, was much on uh, her mind in that time. She was just uncomfortable. She was miserable. She just wanted to deliver the baby. Now, <clears throat> folks, remember, the Catholic Church got it wrong. Mary's not God. Mary's just a woman. And she's feeling all the pain and all the anguish and all the difficulty as she carries this baby on a donkey that has no shock absorbers. And it's a 70-mile trip. You know, I'm sure she got upset with Joseph. And I don't know this, right? This is extra biblical. This is reading between the lines. This is, uh, you know, looking at life as, I'm sure she got upset with him. You know, because who else was she going to get upset with? There was nobody else to get upset. I'm sure Joseph caught it in the chops. You know, uh, you, you know, riding on the back of a donkey was just not the way she wanted to go. And she probably complained about it to him. And he said, well, there is another option. And she, he, she said, what is that? And he said, well, you could walk. Because <clears throat> those were the only possible means for her to get there. And so you have this vastly pregnant woman who's lost her reputation uh, who's been married under a cloud, who's really sold herself out to God, given herself all to God, and now she's got to endure this. And then they get to Bethlehem. And like every good husband, Joseph had already arranged the room. He'd been on the internet and he'd booked the room and, and it was all set and everything was ready for them. And it was a nice room because he knew she was going to be tired after the journey. Well, of course, there was no internet. <clears throat> And there was no room. And Joseph, I'm sure, told her all the way, don't worry, when we get there, I will get us a nice room. I will take care of you. And we can imagine, I mean, from their perspective, Lord, it's your son. I mean, can't we have a decent room? Can't we have a a nice place? I mean, remember, she's just about to deliver. She wants to be warm. She wants to be comfortable. And she wants to be safe. And she got none of it. Absolutely none of them. The only place for them is a stable. You know, listen, this is not going well. This is not a great start to a marriage so far. This is, this is not building, you know, the relationship the way you want to, want, want to build it. This is just not going uh, the way it should go. And then, of course, remember that one of the benefits for her of marrying an older man, of marrying Joseph, was where, where Joseph was set up in life. Joseph had money, he had a business. He was doing well, and she could have expected to be comfortable, but she wasn't. See, when they went down to Bethlehem, they stayed there for two years, and he started all over again. It's, it's tough starting a business all over again. You know, they, they obviously stayed in the same country, but it was kind of like emigrating because they had to start everything all over again. And, and, and then they get word that there's going to be a persecution, and they're to leave and go to Egypt so in the middle of the night. Joseph leads her on another donkey ride. And they go to Egypt and they start all over again. In Egypt. They start all over again. And you know what? Life's not comfortable. Life's not going well. Life's, life's not got the ease that you would expect it to have. It's really not like it was in the crib scene. And it's not like it was. She, the, the reality of their lives together is quite tough. Now, we know... 
everything that's happening to them has been prophesied to happen. We're expecting it to happen. They weren't. You know, you know, there's no account that tells us that Mary or Joseph, or either of them were Bible scholars, and they were saying, oh, you know what, I bet you we're going to have to go to Egypt then. I'll just bet you we're going to have to go to No, no Nobody knew that. All of these things are surprises. All of these things look to them like just their lives being messed up. Just their lives being made difficult on purpose. God's doing it on purpose. It's, it's His Son. Listen, He could easily have had the census afterwards. He could easily at least have had a nice room for them. He could easily have done so many things that He didn't do. He allowed the hardship, He allowed the difficulty to come into their lives. He allowed them to face all of it. And of course, then they come back to Israel and they start again. And all, none of it's working out the way they wanted it to. None of it's working out the way they expected to. Now, we need to understand this. Choosing God's way does not give you an easy ride. Understand that. Because if you don't understand that, you choose God's way and you don't get an easy ride. What's going to happen is you're going to this is not fair. And after all I've done for him. Isn't that the way we come at it? Lord, why are you doing this to me? And we end up getting bitter against God. Because we're misinformed. We don't understand that there are difficulties in line for us. That God's got a plan to work things out in your life. And part of the plan is difficulties. Listen, we look at Mary and Joseph and we understand the plan. We understand, well, look, they, he had, they had to go to Bethlehem because that's where this Messiah is going to be born. You know, um, he had to go to Egypt because it's prophesied. We know that they didn't. God, God had a plan for their lives. And he was going to work out that plan in their lives. And they really had two choices. They could either yield, like Mary did, you know, when the when the angel came to her and she said, "Be it done unto me according to thy will." They could either yield, or they could stand up and stomp their two-year-old foot and say, "No way, you're not doing this to me. I'm not taking this. I I can make things better for myself." And they would have messed up the whole plan. Now God is God; you don't mess up His plans, but that would have changed the whole thing completely. God has a plan for your life, and you basically have two choices. Either you say, yes, Lord, be it done according to your will, or what you say is, no, I'm going to have it my way. And if you have it your way, I'm telling you, it's going to work out harder for you. It's going to work out more difficult for you. See, God's got a plan that's good. Mary and Joseph today are not saying, I can't believe he was so hard on us. They're not licking their wounds now. Now they're saying, he got it right. But, you know, it's not just Mary and Joseph. Uh, the truth is that everybody God uses, He puts through, through trials and difficulties. Everybody He uses. Everybody that God wants to, to, to work in their lives, He puts them through trials and difficulties. Always, every time. Think of Noah. I mean, listen, God's going to flood the world. And save Noah and his family because Noah found grace in his sight. Remember that? That means that Noah, in God's eyes, was a good guy. He wasn't perfect, but he was a good guy to start off with. Noah was a good guy. He found grace in God's eyes. And he has to spend 120 years building a boat. Listen, if God was going to supply all the water to flood the earth, don't you think he could have supplied a boat too? 
Don't you think as the rain started, God could have floated in a boat and said, Noah, hey, everybody on board. Of course he could. But he didn't. He put Noah through a trial. 120 years of building a boat. 120 years. <clears throat> think of Moses. I mean, we know that Moses blew it, that Moses got angry and Moses killed the Egyptian and so on. <clears throat> you know, but don't you think that God could have said at that point, oh, listen, he's jumped the gun, but let's go with the plan anyway. He is the deliverer. Let's deliver them all. Well, no, he doesn't. He asks Moses go 40 years out into the desert and find out that he's nobody. And then he decides to use him when Moses is past the place of wanting to be used. When Moses is in the place where, listen, he, did, he, he couldn't care less. He just wants to be left alone to grow old and, and to, uh, to have an easy life on the desert. Backside of the desert. That, that, that's all he wants. But God puts him through trials. What about King David? I mean, King David is happy enough being a shepherd boy. He loves God. He, he loves his family. He's going to be the, the, the best shepherd there is that he can possibly be. He's growing and getting strong in it and so on. And then God, totally unasked for, without any plan on his part, God sends Samuel to anoint him king. Imagine what that does to a boy. Wouldn't that have been exciting the day he was anointed to be king? I mean, the day I am going to be king. Wouldn't that have been so exciting? David didn't understand, though, there were 14 years of torture ahead for him as <clears throat> Saul tried to chase him down and eradicate him. See, God always uses difficult things. What about the Apostle Paul? You know, don't you think somebody that was as given to the Lord as the Apostle Paul was, somebody whose heart was so on fire for God, so aflame for God, don't you think that somebody like that would have an easy ride of it. Don't you think that somehow God would just clear the way? Yeah, maybe he has to get persecuted, and maybe ultimately he, you know, he has to uh, be martyred. But you know, as, as far as life is concerned, he, he he ought to have an easy life. He ought to be able to do it well. No, that's not God's plan for Paul either. See, Paul had a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me. Doesn't that make almost make it sting worse? It's the message. You're letting Satan do this to me? You're letting Satan give me a hard time and here I am busting myself so I can serve you and you're just letting Satan do it? And God says, yeah. That's the plan, Paul. That's what I'm doing. Why? God says, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. And Paul says, oh, I get it then. That means when I'm weak, you're strong. That means that if I could do it myself, I would. But when I can't do it myself and I come to the end of myself, you step in. And Paul says, I get it now. Well, then you know what? I'm going to glory in the messenger of Satan to buffet me. I'm going to be thankful for it. I'm going to be grateful for it because what you're doing in my life is good for me. It makes me depend upon you. And <clears throat> he changes his whole attitude to it. You know, <clears throat> I think we need to do that with the trials and difficulties in our lives, don't we? We need to, we need to give over the thought of why me. Like, <clears throat> you know, God had so many tickets that he had to pass out and he chose to pass one out to you and the next guy got scot-free. Don't we feel like that sometimes? 
Listen, he gave me the problem and all the others, all the rest of them, they're all having a good time and I got the problem. I got the difficulty. No, that's not the way it is. God's dealing in everybody's life and he's bringing trials. It's part of the plan. It's part of what he's doing. But we've got to get over feeling sorry for ourselves and recognize, no, my Heavenly Father has a plan here. Listen, Mary could have felt so sorry for herself. I'm carrying his baby and he's putting me through this. Yeah, listen, she could have felt so sorry for herself. Joseph could have felt so sorry for himself. I mean, I've got to start all over again. Why does he have to make it so hard for me? But God had a plan. And he was working it out. And God has a plan for your life too. God has an end in sight. God has a product he wants. God has a plan for your life too. You say, well, I can't see it. You don't need to see it. Mary and Joseph didn't need to understand all the fine points of what was going on. They didn't need to know what God was doing. All they needed to do was say, be it done unto me according to thy will. Whatever your will is for it. You know what? If you can come to that place in your life where you really can honestly say, Lord, I want your will, not mine. You're home and dry in the spiritual life. If you can come to the place where, listen, you want what he wants for your life, and not you, don't want to, you no longer want to twist his arm to make him do what you want, you're home and dry. Because all of it begins to make sense then. See, nothing's coming into your life that he doesn't bring into your life. Nothing's happening in our lives that he doesn't do. Nothing is going to happen. Nothing is going to occur. You know, listen, it's not like something out of the blue is going to just arrive in your life and God's going to say, I missed that. It was Christmas time. I was busy and, you know, I just missed what was happening in your life. I'm so sorry. God never says sorry. Why? Because he never has to. Because he never gets it wrong. He doesn't miss it. He doesn't get it wrong. And nothing happens to you that he doesn't let happen to you. He always loves you. Always. And he always does good. You say, well, hang on a minute. You don't know what's happening in my life. Let me, let me tell you how it's happening in my life and, and what God has done in my life, what he's allowed to happen. No, listen. He's allowing it for good. All things work together for good to them who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. All things work together for good. Do you realize that everything that happens in my life is meant for good? That's why God says rejoice in all things. That's why he says give thanks in all things. Because he's involved in my life and everything that happens in my life happens in my life for good. God's working it out in my life. God's doing something in my life. Now, understand that. And if you can understand that and yield yourself to him, you know what happens? Life changes color for you. It all changes color. You see, when, when Paul had a messenger of Satan to buffet him, he was crying out to God, Lord, take it away. Lord, I'm trying to endure this, but Lord, it's hard. Would you take it away? But when he realized the messenger of Satan was from God, it changed it completely, and he looked at it in a completely different way. It became different. The same is true in your life, too. If you can see it as being from God and you say, now, okay, Lord, how do I deal with this? So Joseph says, so, so what do I do, Lord? 
Saddle up the donkey, Joseph. You're going to Bethlehem. What do I do now, Lord? Saddle up again, Joseph. You're going to Egypt. Where's my baby going to be? Your baby going to be born, Lord. I'm going to provide you, you know, you know, a cave. The baby's going to be put in a manger. Listen, and it was okay because it wasn't just Joseph missing it. It was God's plan. And if Mary could accept that, you know what? She could stay in relationship with Joseph too. And if she couldn't, she was going to have a hard time with it. Because God was dealing in the situation. And each one of these people that we've, that we've talked about, Noah and Abraham, by the way, we could talk about Joseph, couldn't we? We could talk about Joseph for a long time. We could talk about Joseph, how he had to accept what God was doing in his life. How he had to come to the place where he said, Lord, your plan, not mine. Where he had to accept with joy what God was doing. Uh, David, Paul, we can go on and on. What we would find is we would find that, listen, this is the pattern of life with God's people. God is always bringing you to the place where you're yielding yourself to him. He never is happy to leave you in the place where you can manage by yourself. And I guarantee everybody in this room that's walking with him today, he's working in your life. Everybody. You may not recognize it. You may think the problems are all caused by you or by somebody else. No, God's working in your life. Because nothing happens in your life apart from God allowing it to happen. Absolutely nothing. There's nothing that occurs to you that God doesn't allow because He loves you. Satan can't do it to you without God allowing it. And God, if God's allowing it, He's allowing it for your good. Third observation, though. <clears throat> no things were difficult. God did bless God did bless. Let me read your verse. Uh, Isaiah 43, verse 2 says, When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee, and through the rivers they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. What Joseph and Mary lived a life together, and though all of hell and the world were gathered against them, never succeeded. Herod couldn't touch them. He would have. He would have in a heartbeat destroyed them. He couldn't touch them. And Satan wanted to destroy this baby and would have done it just like that. But he never could. Because God took care of them. God took care of them not the way they wanted to be taken care of. Though. God took care of them his way. And that's what we need to realize. That God takes care of us, but he does it his way. When he takes care of us, it's, it's a different way to the way we expect. It's, it's his way. And you see, even though things may be difficult for you, there's blessing. But you know what the hardest thing about the blessing is? You can't see it through bitter eyes. You can't. You imagine Mary is going to uh, Bethlehem and she's just on the back of that donkey and she's fuming. She's just, she's just upset. She's bent out of shape. She's given off to, Mo, to, to Joseph. She's you know, just really upset about the whole thing. You know what? Every step the donkey take, took would have been worse for her. Wouldn't it? Some of you are having a hard donkey ride. And you're having a hard donkey ride because you're just bitter against God. And you need to accept what He's doing in your life. Just think about it for a moment. You know... <clears throat> For, for, for us to tell God, God, this is not the way it should be. You don't know what you're doing to me. This is not fair. This is wrong. Who are 
tell God. Who, who are you to tell God? I mean, I'm, you know, Job is so instructive for us. Because Job goes through a trial and every strain of your heart says, that's not fair. He's a good guy. How come the good guy's getting hit like he's worse than any of the bad guys? Every strain of your heart goes out to Job. And at the end of it all, far from explaining it to Job, God says to him, Job, you know what your problem is, Job? You're proud. You're willing to make me wrong so you can be right. And you know, that's exactly what we do when we say, why God? God, I'm right and you're wrong in this. No, we're not. He's right and we're wrong. And only when we accept it can he help us. That's the only way he can accept us. You see, Mary and Joseph had a difficult life and it didn't stop there. It continued to be difficult. But they got to see Jesus grow up. When he was 12 years old, he went into the temple and he, listen, he went back and forth with the teachers. And when they found him, they were beside themselves because they lost him. They thought he was with each other. And, and he said to them, didn't you understand that I have to be about my father's will? How come you didn't know? And the Bible says that Mary pondered these things in her heart. Mary, Mary looked at her son and she said, wow. And she pondered those things in her heart. Mary had to endure Jesus going to the cross. And that's got to be the most awful thing any mother can see her son do. But you know what? She was also around when he rose from the grave. She saw him afterwards. She saw him walk free from the tomb. Death couldn't hold him. She saw him ascend back up to the Father. Nice and slow like so everybody could see him. She saw. She knew that what he had done had broken Satan's grip upon the world and that the way to heaven was now open. And you know what? It was tough. But Mary was going to rejoice in what God had done. Mary was going to look back over her life and rejoice. My Rejoice in God, my Savior. Mary's going to rejoice in it. And you know what? If you let God have his way in your life, someday you're going to look back and you're going to say, that's the business. He was right. That's just what it needed to be. Why was I so bent out of shape about it? That's just exactly what I needed God to do in my life because he never gets it wrong. See, when it comes to wisdom, he is wisdom. He knows. You don't know what you need. You think you know what you need. Oh, Lord, give me this. Lord, give me this. And you know it's not what you need at all. And he frustrates it. You get a problem, comes into your life and just messes up your life royally. And you think, oh, this is so unfair. This is so miserable. And God says, this is exactly what you need. This is not, this is not just a mess that happened. This is a plan I have for you and for your life. And if you will yield to me in it and accept it, you're going to find this plan as good. And you're going to find my hand in your hand as you go through it. One of the hardest things for us is to go through the difficulties without having his hand in our hand, without understanding that he's in it with us. H.G. Spafford, <clears throat> the man who wrote that wonderful song, When Peace Like a River Attendeth My Way, sent his daughters on ahead of him to London from the U.S. in a ship, 
And he was going to follow after them pretty soon. Well, the ship went down. And Spafford got a note from his wife, a telegram from his wife, and all that was written on it was, Saved alone. His three daughters were dead. They had gone to the bottom of the ocean. Well, Spafford came as rapidly as he could. And as he was traveling on the ship over the same route that his daughter had taken, he penned the words of the song, When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrow like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. You know, God can teach you that too. God can teach you whatever your lot to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. And you can have your picture, perfect Christmas. But you know, the reality of Christmas is the person who can sing, it is well, it is well with my soul. That's what's real. Because Christmas will come and Christmas will go. But if you let God do the work in your heart, if you'll give in to Him, if you'll yield to Him, if you'll let Him have His way in your heart, you know what you'll find? You'll find it as well. It is well with my soul. Now, I don't think the picture, the postcards are, <clears throat> or Christmas cards are true. I don't think the images that we've got in our minds of Christmas are quite true. I think they were probably somewhat different. I think that was probably that wasn't an easy trip for Mary. But I do think this. I think that Mary could say, when the baby was born, it is well, it is well with my soul. And not just because she was the mother of the Savior, but because Mary had already said, be it done unto me according to thy will. You see, that's the key. Accepting what he's doing in your life, because he's right and he's got the plan. You're in safe hands. Just rest in them. Rest in the safe hands that you're in. And let him bless your life. Let's bow for prayer. Father, thank you for your word to us. Thank you, Lord, for Mary and Joseph and for the work you did in and through them. And Lord, we thank you for a Savior that was born 2,000 years ago. Lord, would you bless us now? Lord, would you draw us close to you, we pray? Even in these sacred moments, Lord, may it be that our hearts yield to you. Every head is bowed and every eye is closed. And God is dealing with you. And you know in your heart there's something holding you back from yielding to God. You know, in your heart, there's an area, there's a something, there's just that grip upon your soul that won't let go. There's something tight in your hands that you can't let go of. And you know there's no way but to let it go. There's no way but to yield. There's no way this morning but to say, Lord, take it. Be it done unto me according to thy will. You know what? If you would just let it go today. This would be a different day. Maybe a different Christmas. And maybe even a different life if you would just let it go today. If you would just release your grip and let him have it. The plans you have are not the plans you need. The plans he has, they're the plans that you need. As God is dealing with you and you would say, I am releasing my grip on it. I'm letting go. I'm putting myself in his hands. I am yielding myself to him. Would you lift your hands so I can pray for you? Amen. Amen. Are there others? Are there others? God is dealing with you. One more question before we close. 
You know, the most important consecration, the most important yielding in your life is that point, that day, when you come to the place where you yield to Him as your Savior. That place where you actually accept that you need a Savior and that you need to yield to Him. Now, if you've never done that, if you've never come to the place of trusting Christ as your Savior, but today you want to, Today you want somebody to help you and to open the Bible and show you how. Would you lift your hand? We'll get someone to show you. Anybody here, you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, but you want to. Anybody at all? Father, we thank you for those that have raised a hand. We do pray that you bless each one, that, Lord, there would be a true and a real consecration, and, Lord, that each one would come to the place where they truly uh, let you have it in their lives and let you have... Uh, have control of their lives and where they yield to you. May it be. May, may this be a precious moment in many lives. In Jesus' name, Amen.